prophet. If you find uh, Daniel, uh, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Pastor can't find it. There's an index in the front of the Bible. Please have a look at that. Uh, again, the book of Jonah. If you've found Micah, you've gone too far. Jonah chapter 1. As you know, just a couple of weeks ago for the summer, we decided to look at this short little book of Jonah. And uh, there are few people, I think, who attend any church that haven't heard the story of Jonah. I know that the critics of the Bible, they enjoy using Jonah as their reason for not believing the Bible. They'll say, do you really believe that a whale could swallow a man and he survive all of that? And our answer to that is yes. The Bible says so. If Jesus said so, we do believe it. Uh, really, Jonah is the story of a believer who is disobedient to God. Jonah, of course, was called by God to go preach to a group of people he didn't want to go. And it's really the inside look into the heart of a servant of God who ministers to people that he doesn't love. I know the very last message that we had at our camp meeting was uh, Pastor Brandon Lake. And as you know, the end of the book of Jonah ends with a question mark. And his application is, when people think of you, is there a question mark or is there a period or an exclamation mark? Uh, really, the book of Jonah is an Old Testament account of foreign missions. How sometimes God calls people to go to another land and other people. Uh, last time we looked there in Jonah at the way that our God deals. We looked at how God deals with sinners and how God deals with saints and strays and sleepers. Pastor, what are we looking at tonight? We'll look there in Jonah chapter 1. Uh, if you would follow as I read, I'm going to read verse 7 and verse 8. As you know, they're now on a ship, and the wind is tossing that ship back and forth, and they're all in a frantic. Jonah 1 verse 7. And they said everyone to his fellow. These are the ship people uh, running the ship. Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. They said, uh, then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thy occupation, and whence comest thou? And what is thy country, and of what people art thou? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, we're grateful for each one that's come. Thank you, Lord, that you uh, designed it so the middle of the week we could stop the work that we're doing and gather with other Christians and look into your word. And I pray as we continue in this little book of Jonah, help us, Lord, uh, maybe some things that we've not considered before would jump off the page and get our attention, direct each word that said, may it be helpful. And Lord, because of it, may we uh, draw closer to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Having just come out of camp meeting, uh, we had lots of preaching. Uh, we had 16 different messages. If you count those three questions, each answer is one. If you count them as separate ones, that was 22 messages. That's a lot of preaching. Now, I don't know about you, I like preaching. I like preaching when it's loud and when it's quiet, when it's sober, when it's happy. I just like preaching, and we sure heard a lot of preaching. We heard a lot of good preaching. And we're thankful for it. Jonah was a preacher. And Jonah was called to go to preach to a foreign group of people. And I know that because of his preaching, there was a great revival that took place in that city. But could I suggest to you that Jonah's message, 
in the book of Jonah wasn't the only message in the book of Jonah. Really, these questions that these mariners on that ship were asking, these really were messages in and of themselves. The difference was when Jonah preached, that was a saint that was preaching. These messages here in verse 7, 8, 9, and 10 are sinners that are preaching. And uh, it's a strange thing, but sometimes God can use strange vehicles to get our attention. So if you're taking notes uh, this evening, my title is Some Great Messages Preached by Sinners. Some Great Messages Preached by Sinners. So although Jonah was called to preach, what we find here is Jonah is being preached to. And uh, I trust whether you're a preacher or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, if you have some ministry in the church, or maybe you don't. Uh, preaching isn't just one way. I, I trust that God is using others to preach to you. And so again, we're going to look here at some great messages preached by sinners. The first one is verse number seven. And they said, and so this isn't Jonah preaching, this is those lost uh, shipmen. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. They were saying, we didn't bring this trouble on ourselves. We didn't bring these high waves and these strong winds. It's not because of some decision that we made that this trouble has entered into our life. And that's why they said in verse number seven, let's cast lots. That was a means of finding some direction, some wisdom throughout the Bible. And they said, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. Again, if you're taking notes, the very first great message preached by a sinner is our sin hurts many others. Our sin hurts many others. They said it wasn't our sin that brought these waves. It wasn't our sin that brought this wind. Somebody else's evil has brought this upon us. Now, what a sad thing. Do you know, it would be one thing if I or you made a bad decision, a sinful decision, an evil decision, and if that bad decision only affected us, that'd be one thing. It, would, it should be enough to convince us to put the brakes on, stop right there, and backtrack so we get out and get back on the main road. But we are reminded so many times that when we do wrong, when I do wrong, when you do wrong, there are other people that are affected by that, and we know that God asked Jonah to go preach to the people of Nineveh. Jonah said no. And Jonah wanted to find the first way and the fastest way to get out here. Now, I've said this before on a map. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, that's northeast. And he goes down to the port west, and he finds the first ship on the Mediterranean that will take him west. He is just going completely the wrong direction. Again, he, uh, he decided that's what he would do. And as was elaborated during the camp meeting, he probably figured when he found a ship, this has got to be God's will. Look, there's a ship. And when he found he could buy a ticket to get out, look, there's an open seat. 
And I think if you look at it, you probably come to the same conclusion that I do, that this wasn't even a passenger ship. This was probably a cargo ship because there is no indication other than the mariners that, were, that there were any other people on that ship but Jonah. And when they begin, look there in verse number five, then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship. It looks like it's a cargo ship. So as he goes, heads down to that port in Joppa, looking for the first ship heading on a port, it's not even a passenger ship. It's a cargo ship. And he gets on that ship, and of course, God begins to use circumstances to change his mind. The Bible says that it was a great wind that God first raised up to bring Jonah to a stop to get his attention. I remember many years ago, I heard a black preacher, he, he preached about that great wind. And he said this, he said, the Lord done looked down on that backslidden preacher, prophet and teacher and educator. And the Lord said to himself, that preacher ain't going to stay with that ship no more. So the Lord called the north wind and said, north wind, I want you to blow south. Then the Lord said to the south wind, I want you to blow north. Then he said to the east wind, east wind, I want you to blow west. To the west wind, he said, now I want you to blow east. And he said to all four winds, I want you to get together in an uncooperating way. And that was his way of describing how God was going to take a very calm, peaceful situation and turn complete havoc to it. Having said that, when Jonah got on that ship and he went down below ship and, and all that trouble came the trouble didn't just come upon Jonah. The trouble came on all the rest of those people that were on that ship and how often that has been repeated. The Bible says over there in Ecclesiastes 9, one sinner destroyeth much good. Isn't true when Adam and Eve took that forbidden fruit. The rest of the world was affected by that decision. Isn't it true that Lot, when he chose to move into Sodom, and that choice of Lot to move into Sodom, it affected the rest of his family, and ultimately it affected the rest of that city. Isn't it true in the book of Ruth, when Elimelech, when a famine came to Bethlehem, Judah, that Elimelech decided, I'm going to move to Moab. Well, he didn't move by himself. He took his wife, took his sons, and before that book is all done, he dies, his sons die, and it's just a mess. I'm saying to you the first truth, the first message that comes through loud and clear is our sin hurts many others. And here, these mariners, they are, they are fearful, and they are, they are in a panic, but they didn't start that thing. How careful we need to be. Paul wrote this, Romans 14, 7. Paul wrote, none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. And so the decisions that I made yesterday certainly affect me, but affect others. Decisions that we make tomorrow are going to affect more than just yourself. That message wasn't preached by Jonah to lost people. That message was preached by lost people 
ultimately to Jonah. Preacher, what kind of messages are we finding here that would preached by sinners? First message we find is our sin hurts many others. I wonder how many homes where a parent was once presented the gospel and said no. And I wonder as time progresses in that home, how that resistance to the gospel hurt that family and that next generation. Over the years, we've had folks in church, and for whatever reason, get out of church and not get into any other church. And sometimes we meet them on the street, say, how are you doing? And they just don't want to talk about how they're doing, because they're not doing well. And sometimes it's a parent that makes a bad choice. And do you know, once you get saved, the devil can't unsave you. Isn't that a good thing? But as much as the devil can't unsave you, he can surely work overtime to get you off track and off the beaten track. And I'm saying that the very first message preached by sinners is our sin hurts many others. Look again in verse number 8. When they finally found Jonah, it says, Then said they unto him, so they're speaking to Jonah, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. They're still looking to find somebody to point to and say, Is it you that have brought this upon us? And again, you know what? You, you, you can't have a hot temper and it not affect other people. That's why it says over there in Proverbs 22, Be not, uh, make no friendship with an angry man, lest thou learn his ways. So uh, if you have a hot temper, it affects other people. If you get involved in false doctrine, that will affect other people. If you go carnal, that will affect other people. If you get bitter, that will affect other people. If you fail to read your Bible, that will affect other people. I, do you know, I, many years ago, I, I, I preached in Sherbrooke, Quebec, I was told I was invited to go there by a pastor named Hilmer. And he, I said, Quebec? I said, that's French. And he said, yes. He said, uh, do you know French? I said, no. He said, well, then we will translate for you. I said, okay. So if we're translating, if your message is 30 minutes, that whole message time will be 60 minutes. So do you have a 30-minute message? I said, that'd be rare. Do you know when I went to that church and when I preached in that church, there was a woman in that church that had gotten out of sorts with God and out of sorts with the church and out of sorts with the preacher. She had several children that loved the Lord, but her bitterness affected all of them. Do you know it wasn't long before they were all out and the ramifications of that. Uh, one girl got pregnant out of wedlock. And ultimately, the husband left his home out of frustration with that wife. And the preacher, why does that happen? Somebody just got out of sorts with God. And so I say the very first message that we find preached by a sinner is our sin hurts many people. I gave you the second one. Look there in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 10. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, and so again, these, these shipmen, they're petrified. Now, this is their job. 
They are used to being on a ship on the highways. They're used to that. But this was a storm like they had never seen before. And so again, verse number 10, then were the men, that's the shipmen, exceedingly afraid and said unto him. So now they're continuing this dialogue with Jonah. Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So when the lots were cast and that lot fell upon uh, this man Jonah, it says there at the end of verse 7, the lot fell upon Jonah, they begin to rifle him with questions. And in short order, what they find is that he is running from God. In fact, look there again in the middle of verse number 10. For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So somewhere in Jonah's answering the myriad of questions that they're saying, he finally fesses up. He said, uh, you know, uh, I serve the Lord God. He said, uh, I am an Hebrew. And he said, I'm running from God. Look there in verse 9. And he, Jonah, said unto them, I am Hebrew, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Now think about that. Jonah knows that he's running from God. And Jonah knows the God that he's running from has made the heaven and the earth and the sea. And Jonah is well aware of the power that his God has. And yet he's still running. He's still convinced that somehow I can get away from the God who controls everything. And they're scratching their head and said, what's come over you? <laughs> Why don't you write the second one? second message that was preached is our knowledge is often higher than our actions. Our knowledge is often higher than our actions. You know, that's a long way of saying you know better. You know, we don't get in trouble because we get involved in things that we didn't know were bad. We get in trouble because we get involved in things that we knew were bad. We're just gambling somehow that we'll be the exception to the results of that action. Jonah made it very clear that he knew who his God was, that he was running from his God. And we would say if Jonah knew that there was nowhere he could run and get away from God, then why was he running? <laughs> That's craziness. He knew better. Now, it's one thing, folks, when, when we talk to this lost world, and we wouldn't expect this lost world to have a lot of spiritual understanding. They're lost. But you know, as we begin to talk to Christians, how many times they excuse what they're doing, but they know better. And that is the problem with going to a Bible-preaching church. Because it's being preached all the time. If you went to a united church, they're not, they're not getting the Bible all the time. You're going to a Catholic church. They're not getting the Bible preached at them all the time. But when you go to a Bible preaching church, 
you are armed with what God says is right and what's wrong. And you're held accountable for what you know. Keep your hand there on Jonah. We'll be right back there. Look at there in James, if you would. Right near the end of the Bible, the book of James, after Hebrews, James. If you find First and Second Peter, you've gone too far. James chapter 4. James chapter number 4, look there in verse 17, a common verse. James 4 and verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, him it is sin. And so, listen, if I get to doing something that I know God's clearly against, well, then I know better. And then God's going to hold me accountable for what I knew. Numbers 32, 23, Behold, you have sinned against the Lord, be sure your sin will find you out. And uh, you might, in your home, draw the uh, drapes and shut the door and lock the door so no one can see you. But by the very fact that you did draw the drapes shut and did lock the door, it tells everybody that you know what you're about to do, you shouldn't do. You know, although we might give others a thousand convincing reasons for why we can't, God knows that you know you should. You know, we may try to convince others of our direction, but one day God's going to bring it all to light. The biggest crimes that we'll be guilty of aren't those that we do out of ignorance, but what we do out of clear disobedience. Now, again, back in verse number 8, I want you to see the five questions that they ask of Jonah. Jonah 1 and verse 8, Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. So that's the first question. Who's responsible for all this trouble? Second question, what is thine occupation? Third question, and whence comest thou? Fourth question is, what is thy country? Fifth question, of what people art thou? So they specifically ask him five questions. Now let's see what he answers, verse 9. And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew. That might have answered the fifth question of what people art thou. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land, and then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done? Do you know he only answered one of five questions? And you say, Oh, preacher, why did he only answer one of five questions? Uh, because he knew the more that he spoke, the more that he would reveal that he was running from his God. And so they're asking, You know better. Why are you doing this? So again, the second message preached by sinners is our knowledge is often higher than our actions. And how shallow his words were when he said in verse 9, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. When the truth is he didn't fear the Lord. Like he was running from God. If he feared the God, he wouldn't run from God. We're trying to look uh, this evening at some great messages preached by sinners I say the first one is our sin hurts many others. And the second, our knowledge is often higher than our actions. We know better. I, I give you a third message preached by sinners, verse 11. Back there in Jonah 1, verse 11. Then said they unto him, 
what shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous? Would you notice that these lost seamen knew that this storm didn't come by accident, and this storm wasn't going to go away by accident. They realized something was done to bring the storm. So something is going to have to be done to resolve this storm. If you're in the midst of a problem, a trial, a difficulty, a heartache, something was done to bring you to that place. It's not just going to fix itself. Well, preacher, if I give it time. Time does not fix some problems. And so notice what these seamen tried to do to fix this wind. Look back there in verse number 5. The Bible says, Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. Question. They're throwing all the cargo overboard. But throwing all the cargo overboard, did that calm the wind? No, the wind is still blowing. Did, did it calm the waters? No, the waters are still beating against that ship. That's what brings them to ask this question, verse 11. Then said they unto him, what shall we do? They, they realized this problem didn't come on its own. And this problem won't go away on its own. Remember back there in the Old Testament, some young sons of the prophets, some young preachers, they decided that they wanted to build a bigger, I'm going to take some liberty, they, they decided they were going to build a bigger Bible college. What they had was too straight, it was too small. They went to the prophet Elisha and they said, we'd like to build a bigger, would you come and help us? He said, sure. That was wise to, you know, bring in somebody with a little more experience. And the Bible says, as one man was, with his axe was felling a tree, the axe head went flying off. wasn't secure on that handle. And he came to the prophet Elisha and says, help. You know, Elisha said, let's go Find where you lost it. And God did a miracle. If there used to be peace in your heart and, and peace in your life and, and tranquility, and it's not there anymore, then you're going to have to go find where you lost it. And that's exactly, they've again, look at verse 11, Jonah chapter 1, verse 11. Then said they unto him, what shall we do? Now, I know there's more to it, but they, they, if you'd write this third great message preached by sinners, our problems won't just happen to go away. Our problems won't just happen to go away. If there was a root cause for the turmoil, then you're going to have to solve that root cause. If you've invited somebody into your life that's a negative, ungodly influence, then you're going to have to, in order to fix it, 
have to get rid of that negative, ungodly influence. If, if you pick bad company, you have to change company. If you have begun to tune in to bad advice, you need to untune the bad advice. I'm saying to you, third, our problems won't just happen to go away. If there's a problem in the church, and you need to find out what brought that problem. If there's a problem in the home, you can't just stick your head in the sand and hope time will fix it. That's why these unsaved sailors said, what shall we, look again, verse 11. Then said they unto him, what shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us, for the sea rot was tempestuous. So they said, listen, it used to be calm. It's not calm now. How do we fix it? And notice what they said, what shall we do unto thee. Now, you know, Jonah had the answer. Look there in verse 12. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for, thy, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. And so he knew the answer. And that kind of falls back on the last one. Our knowledge is higher than our act. He knew the answer. He said, listen, I know what you've got to do. You've got to toss me overboard. Well, you know what? They had more scruples. <laughs> Look what they did instead after that advice. Verse 13, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. But they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. And so as much as he knew exactly what they had to do to him, they wanted to try something else. And isn't that, isn't that, isn't that so human, lost or saved? We're in a gem, and we're in a pickle, we're, we're in a corner, we're in a spot. And we know what we need to do to fix it. So we tried ten other things. Instead of what we know we need to do. Now you know what's so sad about this? If Jonah knew, if you toss me overboard, the sea will be calm again. What could Jonah have done? Help me. He could have jumped overboard. And yet, isn't it true that he was so self-centered, he was willing to sacrifice that whole lot of people instead of himself doing the right thing. It's just strange. It's strange, strange, strange. Now, listen, I'm not picking on you. I'll pick on me. If things are not going right with me, instead of pressing on the wrong path, I need to come to my senses and say, listen, if I do this, it will fix. Then do it, man. If you already know what needs to be done, do it. But for him to stand on that deck and say, well, you need to throw me overboard. Well, Jonah, why don't you be man enough and jump overboard yourself? Why don't you fix it yourself? How true to nature that is. So we've already seen three great messages preached by sinners. First, our sin hurts many others. And secondly, our knowledge is often higher than our actions. We know better. And third one is our problems won't just happen to go away. 
there's going to have to be some action, there's going to have to be some changes, there's going to have to be some fixing. You say, oh, preacher, I don't know what to fix. Well, God's more interested in helping you maybe even than you are helping you. I give you the fourth. I'm done with this last great message. Look at Jonah chapter 1, verse 14. Wherefore they, that's the shipmen, wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us uh, innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, has done as is it has pleased thee. Uh, they've been advised what to do. They've been told by Jonah himself, you have to throw me overboard. They tried everything else but. Now they finally realize we better do what we've been told to do. Last message, would you write this down? We'd best pursue his plan. We'd best pursue his plan. They didn't want to throw that man overboard. <laughs> they couldn't maybe understand why his God was doing that to him. But sure enough, verse 15, look at it. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. That quick. Remember, I can't snap my fingers. I certainly can't snap. Oh, well, look at that. It fixed it that quick. How many hours were wasted trying to find a plan B and a plan C when if they just did God's plan, it would get fixed that quick. Preacher, I don't know what God's doing in my life. You just need to do what God said to do. Well, I've, there's been a new pri uh, crisis, a new problem, a new trouble. If you just do what God says to do, trust God do all the rest. I'm saying we'd, be best, uh, we'd best pursue his plan. So that verse 15, it says... Two shipmen each grabbed a leg and two others grabbed an arm. One, two, three. And he just, as soon as he hits that water, it's calm. I wonder if one of those mariners said, man, why, why didn't we do that hours ago? If this thing lasted a day, why didn't we do that yesterday? And I wonder if there might be a Christian within hearing my voice. The trouble's just gone on way too long. I just do what God says to I'm sure that you have heard this missionary's name, William Carey. William Carey is considered the father of modern missions, and he went to India. He began to learn the various Indian language dialects, and he learned them because he wanted to print Bibles in each of those dialects. So he established a large print shop in Serampore. That translation work was, was begun. And Kerry spent hours each day translating the scriptures. Kerry, by his own admission, had an insane wife who ranted and raved in the next room as he worked hour after hour. Kerry felt he could do so much more, but the finances hindered him from doing more. And he wondered how he could possibly get more finances and more workers for the work that needed to be done. 
While he was away from Serampore, March 11, 1812, his associate William Ward was working late, and suddenly Ward's throat tightened all up, and he smelled smoke, and he leaped up to discover that there was a fire in that print shop. He screamed for help, and workers passed buckets of water from a nearby river. But by the time two in the morning came, everything was destroyed. That was March 11, 1812. The very next day, there was a missionary, Joshua Marshman, who entered a Calcutta classroom where William Carey was teaching. And Carey could see that there was some trouble on his eyebrows of that other missionary. So he said, what's up? And he said, I don't know how to tell you other than tell you the print shop burned to the ground last night. And he said, everything has been lost. He said, that massive polyglot dictionary and two grammar books and whole versions of the Bible, 14 typesets of Eastern, lang Eastern language, 1,200 reams of paper, 55,000 printed sheets, 30 pages of the Bengal dictionary. Gone is your complete library. What are you going to do now? He lost everything. He was set back years by that one night of fire. Friends tried to console him in the loss, and sinners tried to condemn him. Some said, well, God mustn't have liked what you were doing. That's why he burned into the ground. But instead of giving up, he gave little time to mourn. In his journal, he wrote, the loss is heavy. But as traveling a road the second time is usually easier than the first time. So I trust the work will lose nothing of real value. We're not discouraged. Indeed, the work has already begun again in every language. We are cast down, but not in despair. And what Kerry didn't realize, remember, his prayer was, Lord, I'd like to do so much more, but I don't have the money for it. What Kerry didn't realize when the news of that fire reached back in England, it catapulted William Carey to instant fame. Thousands of pounds were raised for the work. Volunteers offered to come help. The enterprise was rebuilt and built bigger. And by 1832, it, the fire was 1812. By 1832, complete Bibles, New Testament, separate books of scripture had been issuing from the printing press in 44 languages and dialects. And Carey later wrote, there are grave difficulties on every hand, and more are looming ahead. Our only choice is to go for Whatever you're facing, the devil will say, give it up. God says, just trust me. Just do what's right. It's always best to obey God. Let's pray. Father, we have looked at great messages preached by sinners. We would think that the greatest message of the book of Jonah was when Jonah preached to Nineveh, finally. And Lord, certainly it was a great message in spite of the messenger whose heart was still cold on God. But there are other equally great messages in the book of Jonah. The only difference is those other messages were preached by sinners. 
Lord, would you remind us, after having looked at this, that our sin hurts many others. Our bad choices are going to hurt many. We know better. Would you remind us, Lord, that our problems won't just go away. They have to be addressed. They have to be fixed. And we'd be best always to pursue God's plan. Help us. Help someone maybe in these days ahead to take note of one of these messages preached by sinners. We ask it in Jesus' name.